0: Come to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the j J10 initiative.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Father in Heaven, we thank you this day for all of the bonds of communion that you've already formed amongst these uh, students, faculty, and staff of this great college. We thank you uh, for all the many benefactors and friends and families who support this, this great endeavor uh, to bring people closer uh, to Jesus and to enlighten them with truth. We ask that uh, our participation in this night may not uh, deviate from anything that they have learned, uh, but may add to the great uh, wealth of knowledge that they have already received. And we ask for a blessing upon us, this equipment, and uh, for all those who hear, whether here or uh, in their homeschool smock, in you know Dubuque, Iowa, through Christ our Lord, Amen.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I can't. Are we standing? Sorry, I can't. I I can only see like two people, and there's like so many people here. So what's up back row? Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I don't know if you listened to the last podcast, but I said I will not come and speak if there are not more than thirty people. Thank you. Are we? How many of you are getting paid to be here? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Sound guy. Good. Are we we doing this standing? I can't sit right here.
0: That's all I just this is just new for us. We've never actually done this before, so.
1: Well, normally we're on like bar stools or something. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna stand and
0: talk to you then. Does that sound
1: good? You ready to begin? We just pray. Right. Oh, yeah, you want to start with, like, we the actual intro. We start with intro. the real podcast. Okay, so just a behind-the-scenes view. Normally, we're yelling at each other before we press record. Um, so you're kind of seeing some of that right now. And then when we press record, it's like, you know, the, the beavers, the you leave it to beavers. Did you ever? Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. No, modern knows. family or something. But, like, when the camera's rolling, it's like, hey, welcome. So, okay,
0: so we're already rolling. We already started two minutes ago. I'm going to start the banter clock for you. Is that all right? Sure.
1: Because he'll go forever. No, you have to start
0: the podcast like we normally do.
1: Pretend like they're not there.
0: It says it says Indiglo on it, too. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John. Father Nathan. The Beaver Tail is here at Benedictine College. True. Yep, he has it right <laughs>
1: Since we're acknowledging the third person in the room, namely, like, the mullet, um, I, I do want to acknowledge one person in the crowd right now that maybe you don't know is a celebrity. This person is the reason why, I, in part, I grew up the mullet, because he challenged me and two others to a competition at St. Francis Cabrini to see who would have the longest mullet. So, if we could have Kyle please stand and show off his luscious mullet. Yes.
0: So you are, you are actually the one to
1: blame for this. I have True. to with this. Now, it, ladies, if I straighten my hair, would I have longer hair than you? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you got me.
0: Well, we are excited to be here tonight. This is a, a great joy, and we're uh, very excited to have so many of you out here. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, this is going to come out next Thursday. So I don't know, there's a bunch of people, more than 30 people here. Uh-oh. And Father Nathan has been puking his guts all that afternoon uh, because... Oh. We've done several of these live ones before, but uh, they just, you got to understand a couple things about the podcast. Uh, number one, nothing is actually prepared, so there's like no content. So you can do that when you're sitting in a room drinking bourbon by yourselves, uh, but when you do that in front of other people, it's a bit nerve-wracking. So the uh, so we're grateful to be here tonight. Uh, I'll start with the story, maybe, of how this happened. Good call. that sound So we've known a couple of these guys uh, in the front row here for a long time. Tynan family, Sullivan family, Robert's family, Cabrini kids here. Um, And the summer, uh, where's Katie? There she is, right here. Katie was like,
1: um, You gotta come out to Benedictine College. You gotta come out, you gotta come out, you gotta come out. She said this to Father John, not me. Yes. (laughs) That's crucial to the story. Crucial story. What else is
0: crucial to the story is her father makes these crazy margaritas and he kept kind of pouring them. And as the night went on, (laughs) I became more and more interested in the possibility of going to Kansas.
1: (laughs) So the whole family was kind of working this little town here. Maybe if the admissions staff could be taking some notes on how to get more people to come and get, it. get that margarita recipe and you'll end up in Atchison in no time. So
0: we're sitting there and I'm drinking, they're called margaritas actually, after Mark Roberts. So we're drinking them, drinking them and everything's great. And she's like, You gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come. And I'm like, You know what? I'm sorry. I'm going back to Rome. Father Nathan. Doesn't like to do work, so I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so we keep talking, we keep talking. She keeps, you know, badgering me, badgering me. You got to come, you got to come. Do a live podcast, live podcast. And I said, okay. Finally, I said, all right. Here's the deal. If the president of the university personally invites me, I will bring Father Nathan, and we will come to Benedictine College for a live podcast. The next day, <laughs> I had an email from President Minnis. It was, Father Nathan's been calling President Snow all day. <laughs> <laughs> you are
1: a lot nicer than that guy. Just so you know. I actually said at one point, like, when we were going up to his office, I just imagined him, like, clipping roses. As we came out. <laughs> we're like, you have been chosen for the quarter quell of, you know, West County. First to die. You
0: know. So we got the, uh, email, and I was like, oh, this is this is bad, because I didn't run this by Father Nathan before I committed him to go to Benedictine College, True. and you know thing about Father Nathan, he doesn't like surprises uh, too much, so, four people, <laughs> so we're driving, I'm skittish
1: around people, so, so
0: Katie is excited, she locked it in, and I said, I, I gotta go with Father Nathan, I, I, I can't go there unless I'm with him, and, uh, But I said, he's kind of a bear of a human. I don't know if he'll go for it. It kind of depends on the moods, and so I'm trying to kind of watch it. We're in the car, and I'm like, you know what? I think this is the moment I'm going to go for it. And I look at him, and he's driving, and I'm sending a shotgun, and I said, "Uh, hey, buddy, I got a a proposal for you. And you said, does it require work? (laughs) I said, "Uh, maybe. And he said,
1: later. Because I needed to eat first. Any of you know about this phenomenon known as hangry, um, and I'm just, that, that's my normal disposition. Uh, so, so I knew that if I just had something to eat and just calmed down a little bit, whatever ridiculous idea that he has, um, then maybe, you know, just maybe. So so the hangry passes, and I said, yay, so uh, Benedictine College, you ever want to go there
0: like in three weeks? Because uh, <laughs> you're going there. I basically just committed. To it, he just looked down and says, "Oh my gosh, I can't make you do this." So, but then in an act of God, and possibly the prayers of Our Lady through Katie's prayers. Memorial Army, Memorial Army, yeah. There were sixty-five thousand memorials offered so that you could say yes. It's no. <laughs> One for every pound of meat. <laughs> Beautiful. So we bought the ticket, and uh, and here we are doing a live podcast. So right. We're uh, we're very excited to be here. And it's great to be with you guys. We've only done this a couple times. And we've done over 300 podcasts, but I think we've only done two live ones together. Yeah. And uh, both yeah, from I had to do one
1: disasters. At so yeah. we're kind of hoping. Uh, Number zombies and the thirst for communion. I don't know if any of you listened to that one. That oh, was pretty interesting. Okay, good. And then the other one was pilgrimage beauty. Uh, beauty, not the way it sounded. <laughs> um, anyways, the president is right there. Do not laugh at that joke ever. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, those are the only two. And then I did uh, two live podcasts with Olo at the LA Congress, and part of the reason why I didn't want to do a live one is because we went to the LA Congress, and those of us who are from uh, around the Mississippi, I'm originally from southern, central Illinois, um, and the uh, LA Congress is a big deal for, like, people in California, um, and, like, 15,000 people go and and so, like, they're like, oh, there's going to be tons of people there. And there was some, like, cool people. Howdy. Shout out. Um, you know, some really good people. But, like, 30 people stopped by our booth among, like, 15,000 people. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be, like, Benedict College. And it'll be, like, you know, four people. And they're like, yeah, I listened to the podcast once accidentally. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I was, I'm was, i very happy to see all of you. Anyways. So the, uh,
0: the topic tonight, uh, boredom, had me thinking, uh, what is, I was trying to think of memories of Father Nathan, because we've shared a number of years together now, and uh, I was trying to think, what is the most bored I've ever seen in his entire life? Can you think of uh, what I'm talking about here? No. I think it's usually when I'm podcasting with you. When, the look, <laughs> when I start talking, he gets this look on his face, and he just kind of disappears, and his eyes kind of roll back, and, like,
1: and he looks at me just like... It's usually whenever, like, you know when you just missed your exit? And it's just like, at some point I need to get back on, but I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) He's already, like, like, at the restaurant ordering appetizers, and I'm, like, sitting there going, like, okay. Anyways, it's not that bad. Well, we survived the
0: summer together, and it was a little bit interesting. Those of you who who do listen regularly to the podcast, you know that I moved in with him this summer, and... uh, into this very very bizarre rectory probably the strangest building in fact it is the strangest building I've ever seen and uh, those of you who listen you've gotten details of this kind of strange complex it's like a bond level it really should have been you know, have yeah, only mixed mixed weapons or something like yeah, that. yeah
1: somebody somebody made a comment they said it's like uh, the Brady Bunch set and then they canceled the show and then they just abandoned the set and there's like dead leaves and cobwebs and just random things around, like an old creepy tiki mask that I just keep in the basement because I don't want to burn because I'm afraid like something will happen from the flame. Like, <laughs> Anyways, so yes, we're living together. That's allowed. That's allowed with priests. Not
0: for the rest of you, unless you're married. Well, we survived the summer, buddy, and I'm uh, heading back. This is the final podcast we'll be doing together, uh, and then he's back with uh, Father Michael Lachlan, mm-hmm. and I'm back with Father Michael in Rome. So uh, it's just a, kind of a nice way to finish off the summer together here. They
1: say they're breaking <laughs> up. Please. This is why I drink so much. Because, uh... <laughs> so actually, it's really funny. So we, we had a meeting with the uh, president before uh, we, you know, came on, and I I really thought that it, he was just gonna be like here are your list of banned words. Uh, At no point are you gonna say anything about this. Um, And it was a delightful meeting, but the most awkward part of the meeting was when, he's like, so, Father John, do you do a lot of reading? And he's like, well, actually, I do. I read this and this, and I actually check this out. And Sometimes whenever I'm done reading good things, I read other good things, and this is what I read, you know, when I'm not reading other good things. And he's like, so what about you? And I'm like, I watch YouTube videos. (laughs) Which I can direct you to some amazing videos. Rolling. What was the one, What was the video that I made you watch the other day? I like, I was getting ready for bed. I'm going to wind it down. Anybody know about Wimp.com? Wimp.com? Seriously? Oh, man. That person just wanted to go, woo! <laughs> wimp.com takes the five uh, best videos or most trending videos on YouTube, and they're, like, family-friendly, and it's not, you know, like, crazy stuff or whatever. So, like, you can end up watching somebody putting a corgi in their backpack and riding the New York subway. Um, which is surprisingly a good way to fall asleep. Um, so I, I showed you one of those ones on Instagram, and you were just like, this is what you do? I'm like, yes, this is what I do. While you're reading books, I'm just like done with celebrating funerals, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Time for more corgis on subways. Father Nathan's parish, they're
0: dying very, very regularly. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what you're preaching about, but they are, it's like
1: four funerals a week, and it's, uh, so I think this is probably why you're watching YouTube. You're probably, like, mixing too much creatine with, like, the precious blood or something. Yeah. Like, they're just oh, going oh, down. They're right. booing now. Oh, a lot of creatine the- <laughs> okay. All we, right. We made it ten but minutes. But anyways, minutes. okay, so what do you, What Father John is trying to do, it's like a big on-ramp. He's trying to, like... Get this huge vehicle up to speed or whatever. So he's trying to direct me towards the podcast, which means that his timer is currently running about 10 minutes, which means that it's the end of the banter, which is the part where we actually look like we care about each other, and then we go right into the topic. Understand? Okay, good. Um, So how did we come up with this topic? And it's it's amazing that all of you showed up for a topic called legal boredom from two people that perhaps you don't even know and are like, why am I even here? So... um, had a really awkward situation uh, a few weeks ago where um, there were uh, a number of suicides that happened in this particular high school in in Denver area called Arapahoe High School. Uh, some of you know you know about these school shootings and everything, and there had been a school shooting in Arapahoe a n- number of years ago. And many of the kids are still affected by this trauma, and so um, I don't know if there's a correlation uh, between the events, but there was two consecutive suicides at the beginning of school, and then also one at a local middle school right near them, and also another suicide in our battle. So I was um, just saddened, obviously, by something of that nature, and remembered the there was a particular phrase that Pope Benedict used um, many, many moons ago, describing the current situation of our culture as susceptible to lethal Border. And so I preached about it and said, "Oh yeah, you can just Google this. It's in one of his homilies." And uh, and then I was like, "Well, maybe I should actually Google it and see if it's in one of his homilies." It's really hard to find, even with Google. Um, so this is in a book. It's not on a web page. Do you know what this is? It's, it's actually a paper book. You know, you can't you know, just you can't just search it on Google, which I tried. Uh, but you have to check it out from the library. I to dig out my library card um, and uh, found the passage which, uh, luckily enough, is on the second-to-last page of the book, and I started at the end. <laughs> I was like, man, who needs Google? I'm so good at this. <laughs> Did you want to say anything else about that? That's it. Okay, following. here we go.
2: <laughs>
1: so I know that nobody likes to be read to, but I don't want you to get the idea that I have any idea um, like, how to formulate sentences like this person. Uh, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, uh, the one that was Pope when you were like, you know, still eating popsicles and playing on slides. But They're when, still, still eating popsicles. <laughs> like, last night, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got a We'll be sure So, uh, Father Jason Lund, she's one of our companion brothers. He has the worst diet ever. Um, and so he'll eat like one Power Bar every like three days, and that'll be his dinner. Um, so we asked him recently, like, What are you eating? Like, because, you know, he just, he works himself so much that he's like, I'm really getting into popsicles. <laughs> not, that's not a good dinner, but um, you don't care about your health, become a priest. Okay, so uh, just bear with me. I'm going to read you the short passage. I know it feels like school, but we are at a university, so, okay. Goethe, not Gautier, the now you're just somebody that I used to know. Um, Goethe. <laughs> once termed the struggle between belief and unbelief, the great theme of world history. Picking up a theme of Augustine's philosophy of history, Augustine himself, of course, expressed this differently. He sees in world history the struggle between two kinds of love. So two kinds of love. Love for self, which goes as far as despising God, and love for God, which goes as far as despising self. Today we can perhaps formulate this in still another way. History is marked by the confrontation between love and the inability to love. So he's describing the world history as, on one side, those who can love and those who are unable to love. That devastation of the soul that comes when the only values man is able to recognize at all as values and realities are quantifiable values. The capacity to love, that is, the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's own control and to let oneself receive this as a gift is suffocated by the speedy fulfillments in which I am dependent on no one, but in which I am never obliged to emerge from my own self and thus never find the path into my own self. The destruction of the capacity to love gives birth to lethal boredom. It is the poisoning of man. If he were to have his way, man would be destroyed and the world with him. In this drama, we should not hesitate to oppose the omnipotence of the quantitative and to take up our position on the side of love. This is the decision that the present hour demands of us. So again, just one more time because I think it's so important, frankly because if you don't have this in front of you, and you don't understand what I'm talking about. None of the rest of this is hopefully going to. You're not going to read the whole thing again. Not the whole thing. Settle.
2: So. Why do you embarrass me in
1: front of my chest? <laughs> so I just want. If we're talking about the struggle of the world being identified as those who can love, and those who are unable to love, we have to understand something about what love is, right? Anyone? Twenty bucks says one of you were conceived, of that song. <laughs> Alright. That's called that's called the heat check. It's called the heat check right there, Aaron. okay. The president so, the president is still in the really? room right now. So. Okay. Um so we're doing a talk on college body, it's cool. Um, again, if we're gonna if we're gonna delineate all of the world into those who are capable of love. And those who are unable to love, we have to understand something of what uh, Ratzinger is defining as love. And I just want to read that part again. The capacity to love, that is the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's own control, and to let oneself receive this as a gift. That's what he describes love as. We have many ideas of what love is. And on, in certain times of our life, we feel like that was love. Or we've known when we have received love from others. And Benedict is describing love as to let oneself, the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's own control. and To let oneself receive this as a gift. If you are unable to wait in patience and unable to receive this other as a gift, you are unable to love and susceptible to lethal boredom. Lethal boredom. And in some way, I just I think of I think of the the lethal boredom as it's this closed circuit. I will never break out of this reality. There's nothing more. There's no more levels. There's no more advancement. This is the totality of what my life is. And when I see these kids who are so young and have their whole future ahead of them, and have so many people around them that believe in them and love them and encourage them and pray for them, and teach them, and feed them, and all those things, and they say, laters. That means that they have, in some sense, been short-circuited, and they have not been able to love or to receive love, which, again, is the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's control, and to receive it as a gift. It's actually pronounced capacity. Did you know that?
0: Yes. This is a long-standing joke. I've been mispronouncing that word for a long time. That's why I read... You did. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Very thoughtful. Um, I, I would second what you said about um, situating the question of boredom in love and communion. We don't think of it like that. We think of boredom as, like, I'm bored today because I didn't have enough things to do, or I wasn't, I didn't have enough, my friend didn't show me all the stupid YouTube videos or whatever it was today. Just a hypothetical situation. So, I'm bored because I'm not stimulated, you know what I mean? So we think of boredom as the absence of stimulation, you know, so a boring day at Benedict College, I don't know, maybe it's like, I don't enjoy my classes and my friends aren't around, or I'm home for the summer and I'm bored. We think of boredom as the absence of uh, activity, and so it's its a curious thing that Cardinal Ratzinger is saying, no, no, the question of boredom needs to be situated in the question of love, the question of love, the question of communion, the question of patience, as we're going to kind of unpack here in a second, and I thought that that was really different Because I really, when I think of when I experience boredom, it's it's I'm usually not thinking about what is missing in terms of relationships here, you know, in terms of love and and the way that I'm able to love and that kind of thing. So we were really struck by this uh, by this passage. I think for that reason, it just changes the whole perspective on why, um, especially as as young people in this world that we're living in, we're experiencing something that's just really different. My grandfather. uh, was a Carpenter and a farmer, he lived in northern Montana. He's about this tall laddie, Vladislav Nepal, good Czech boy. And uh, his life would have been relatively boring if you think about you know what he had, which was nothing compared to he had no technology. He was out on the farm, uh, Czech immigrant, barely spoke English. Uh, was his life boring? I don't think so. I think my life is more boring, you know, honestly, even though I have way more to do. I'm way more connected than he was because it was about relationship, about community, and about love. And so, tonight. What we're looking, to kind of striving towards, is to try and kind of get our hands around this concept of boredom that's really striking, a uh, devastating, uh, our our generation, I should say, your generation and our generation because we're getting old, man. Um, but uh, young people in general are, are faced with a new boredom, and it's because of the crisis of love. To yeah, you. and we're
1: yeah popcorn Nathan. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
1: so we're from, as you know, like you know, we both work in in Colorado and. You have heard about what's going on in Colorado, other than the Broncos. Um, it's the, uh, sorry, I thought I would get a lot more hisses from the press, really Not really big fans. <laughs> um, so, but we recently, uh, when I first moved to Colorado, it was a, a few years later that they, you know, pushed through medicinal marijuana. And then uh, just a couple years ago, they went to recreational marijuana. And this, for a lot of people, was like, this is going to be the end. This is finally, like, we're going to be able to do what we want. And substances cannot satisfy an infinite desire, no matter if it's food or uh, drugs or shopping or even the Internet. I mean, just you can only watch so many videos before it's like, this is really how I want to spend my Saturday. Um, There's we have a yearning in our hearts for something more. And that's discovered through communion, through friendship. And so often what happens is if I can't find what I want, I'll accept um, other substitutes. And I've said this before, and, and it was actually uh, Dr. Terry Wright who said, mm, you got to be careful with that. Food is a, is a limited end, okay? When I, like, go to put the ho-ho into my mouth, it doesn't go, no, please, no, okay? It's like it's, it's a limited end. It's not going to you know, resist me, and then you know I'm going to resist the fact that. I consume five of them, but um, food, drink, drugs, shopping, whatever it might be. But there is an interpersonal uh, good that can be corrupted. And that's a lot of where a lot of people go, which is sex. They want to find some way to break on through the limitedness of their life. And they realize that you complete me and there's something in you that is capable of answering this need in me. And the reality is, that's true. God has actually ordered our sexual desire to fulfillment in a sacrament. It's not just like, oh yeah, whatever you want. Eat whatever you want in the garden, do whatever you want in the garden. He actually joins this couple together and then says, experience the love that you have for one another as a gift from me but we don't actually see this gift as being able to fulfill me. Because if you look, I don't know if you saw a few years ago on the Oscars, there was every single different form of sexual deviancy up for best picture. All different forms, man on man, woman on woman, man dressing as woman, and priest abusing children. All of these were up for an Oscar. Because we cannot find our fulfillment ultimately in sexual expression. Not even in marriage. Not even in marriage. Our ultimate fulfillment is communion and friendship with God and with one another. The love for self, which actually says, I despise you, God, because I'm the God. And the love for, or the the proper love for God, which actually says, I'm not that important. I'm gonna set myself aside and choose to serve you. We see persons that actually give of themselves are a lot happier than all of these people that seem to be totally sexually satisfied or have perfect bodies, or be totally stoned, or like, you know, be decked out in coach and Burberry or whatever it is that you fancy. How to go? Patagonia, icebreaker, watch out. <laughs> Hanes. <laughs> These things, these things don't ultimately satisfy. But when you see people who give of themselves, who give themselves away, who actually uh, sacrifice of themselves, it's usually parents who are in love with children. They look exhausted. They look tired. They look like, you know, they're just totally out of it. But they are madly in love. They're totally in joy. If you look at a priest who is actually giving himself, or a brother who's actually giving of himself, Self-gift, finding himself in what he has given away, he is much happier than me if I just sat in my, like, royal throne at Schloss Goebbels, which looks something like the Cave, and just said, I don't need anything. I have Amazon. As long as somebody can bring me Taco Bell, like, I'm totally good. I don't need anything else. We actually find ourselves in a sincere gift of ourselves. So the communion that we desire with one another isn't even found primarily in the bedroom. It's not ultimately found there. And for a lot of you uh, who are living a chaste friendship, there is a desire that at some point in marriage, I will find this good. Not only me, the notebook, you know, you complete me, okay? Or whatever. Jerry Maguire. And that
0: came out before they were born, I think. So, you know, sorry. Well, whatever. What do you want?
1: What do you want? Whatever he says, you know? (laughs) I know what they're talking about, Okay. Ultimately, that's not even found there. It's only found in friendship with God and one another. And conjugal friendship is a form of friendship. And it can complete oneself, but not ultimately. Not perfectly. That can only be found in God. Tag? You're in. Okay. Well done. You covered a lot usually, of things. You're, def- you're definitely on the highway right usually now. Usually whenever uh, we're on the podcast together and he wants to talk, he goes like this.
2: <laughs>
1: and whenever I'm like tired of him talking, I go like this. It's actually
0: really disturbing. Yeah, he starts doing this. He does the old lady hair
1: pet. Like, That's right.
0: It's like,
1: oh god, stop.
0: And then I find where
1: I put that last mild taco package. <laughs>
0: Seriously, though. Speaking of memory army, get the get the memory army praying against this mullet because the, he's like Samson. He's growing in power every day. It's like <laughs> more like Sauron, I should say. It's like uh, the power is like uniting around him. Yeah. And our friend just joined the convent, and she's going to be a postulant for a whole year, and she'll cut her hair next August. And she convinced him. <laughs> Perfect. It out. And I was like, Oh god,
1: don't not tell him that. So he's going to grow it out and tell. Well, I it? can give two wigs for kids. Two of them, okay? There'd be some kid that, like, would be like, I'm just so sad. And then all of a sudden, he'd have this greasy, you know, and he'd be like, is my life better? (laughs) Why don't don't you confess to them who you actually want to give your wig to? Oh, yeah. Turn off the microphone. So when when some of my parishioners ask me, they're like, Father Nathan, why are you even growing out your hair? Actually, first day, first day I was on the job at St. Joan of Arc, this guy walking into the sacristy. And he's this old curmudgeon. He's actually kind of sweet. And he says, shave your beard and cut your hair. You look ridiculous. I so I tell people, whenever parishioners ask, they're like, are you growing your hair off? And I say, the Archbishop has given me a special assignment. I'm charged with growing his toupee. And the funny thing about this is the Archbishop actually listens to this
0: podcast. So... A couple months from now, you're gonna phone call. The archbishop called him. Uh, that was probably six months ago. Yeah. And he said to him, he said, "What is this I hear about you you're using three different shampoos, rotating on a three day thing, in order to get maximum volume?" Can
1: we get back to the topic. you
0: mentioned this on the podcast. The so president just... is here. He's paying for this, okay?
1: Can you start talking about something intelligent. Okay.
0: Back to the topic. You covered all the landscape, everything. No, I didn't. You covered substance, sex, everything. So I guess I'll go back to substance. I would say this in addition to your uh, commentary and your thoughts there. One of the hardest things about this lethal boredom reality is that your friends who are not Catholic or who are Catholic but not practicing, uh, they're doing a pretty good job of making you feel like they're not bored. And in fact, you're the boring ones. Because you're giving up all the fun, you're giving up all the stimulation, you're giving up all the the excitement. You're You're the ones missing out because you're not having sex, you're not living with your girlfriends or boyfriends, you're not able to party and just do whatever you want, right? You're the ones missing out, you're the boring ones. So the whole narrative has kind of been flipped. And I think that's where the challenge begins, is to say, are they actually lethally bored? Or am I lethally bored? That's the question. And again, it comes back to what is the source of boredom. And if Ratzinger's right on this, the source of boredom is not necessarily stimulation or the absence of stimulation. It's about love. It's about communion. It's about intimacy. It's about friendship. And just because we're practicing Catholics doesn't mean we're living that, right? So the humanity of the person and the capacity, 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 there's no M in there right Thank you. It means a lot, man. You're not a words of affirmation guy, so I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really hot here, okay? Just keep talking.
0: Okay, could you just put a fan on his head? He was about his? <laughs> but I think that's, that's the initial part for me is to say, you know, when you guys think about your life and, and think about your, your walk with Christ, because we all hit these points in life where we say, is it worth it? You know, I'm following Christ. I've given up this, 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 and this. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And especially when you're 21, it's hard to see it. But I was out in marriage prep with some a couple uh, two days ago, and I ran into an old hockey buddy, and I almost didn't recognize him because of the way he looked. And we talked for a little bit, and this guy was like the wild, hes a wild man. And we had a lot of fun when I was younger, and we went different ways, you know. I haven't seen him in about 10 years, but I realized I was like, whoa, the lethal boredom sets in when you're 34. You can fake it when you're 21. You can fake it. It's not real. You can hide it. But you try and do that into your 30s, and it's gonna to start to wear out you start into your forties, and you've seen it. You've seen, you know, the old guys at the bar, and you're just like, ugh, you know, it just it starts to stretch, stretch thin. You have to live for deeper things. The heart is made for deeper things. there's questions that are written into your hearts that have to be dealt with. And the boredom lies in the in the rejection of that. And so to medicate the heart with whatever it is, without whatever the boredom is, and to just get lost in kind of the everydayness of life, it actually doesn't satisfy. Me. And I think that's very important for us as Catholics to remember that, Right? We have to hear that from each other. You need to have friendships that support that, that recognize that, because we even ask ourselves that as priests, you know? We're, we're busting our butts in these parishes. We're trying to write a doctorate, these different things. And you say, is it worth it? Am I more bored than everybody else, even though I'm following Christ? I gave my life to Christ. These are the questions that matter. And if you face it, you realize... Not only do um, all of these substances not satisfy, sex doesn't satisfy, but it has to be rooted in intimacy with Christ. And all of us need to grow in that deeper love. So it's okay to say we're kind of bored also. But it's also okay to recognize that what Ratzinger was proposing is possible because of the grace of Jesus. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have perfect friendships. Everybody in this room, you're experiencing the joys of friendship and the heartache of friendship. And We've been we've been through a lot of the years together. We get up here, and we, we laugh together, and uh, we share a good life. We had a great summer. Uh, we've, we've suffered. We've suffered together, and it forms the heart. So communion is possible. Love is possible, but it has to exist on the deeper things. And the renunciation that begins with the substances, with the sex, with not giving in to those desires of the flesh, that's where real love begins. But it's, sometimes it's hard in the moment to see the connection that this will actually lead to the intimacy that will free me from this lethal boredom that will ultimately poison my soul, as Red Singer says.
1: Sorry, I was thinking about Lego movies. Every, everything is awesome. Nobody no. saw the bored face. I'm, the I'm waiting for my chance. I mean, there's a the, chance. The, the, in, in youthfulness, there's a time where it's like everything's awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is always going to be awesome. And everything should be awesome. And when other people aren't having awesome, things happen to them, it's really kind of a buzzkill because it points to the fact that maybe everything isn't awesome all the time. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this topic, uh, and I think you know Father John would echo this, is we never thought that there was going to be a time where we would actually be called into, into priesthood or to go to a campus to talk to other college students um, or to even to give our lives to Christ. So the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's control is something that happens to you. You are not an agent. You are a patient. You are allowing something to happen. As John was, Father John was saying, communion is something to be worked towards. It's possible, but it's also something that is graced. It's a gift. It happens to us. Friendship isn't always something that you can go out seeking. I want to be totally best friends with you. Please, please, please. If you like showed up like that on your first day as a freshman, probably didn't have a whole lot of friends for a while. Right? But if you wait in patience for what is not under your control, all of a sudden, the, the providential alignment of different people coming in at different times, and certain boys with dreamy hair, not priests, but other people, <laughs> like Kyle, okay? Um, they come into your life, and then it's like, wow, i I really am glad that this person came around. You were able to wait in patience for what was not under your control and receive it as a gift. It's not something that you actively do. It's something that you receive, which is why it is a Marian character. It's Marian in the sense that, yes, Our Lady didn't put like a a bulletin announcement like, uh, I'm the Immaculate Conception looking for something to do. Uh, if you have any thoughts, you know, um, really qualified in Excel and whatever. Um, she received a gift and then waited in patience for that to be realized, which is the reason why I think she is a model for us in overcoming the lethal boredom that is possible when we have this capacity of not being enabled being unable to love, losing the
0: let me add to that. I'm just going to go back to the quote just because I think you're hitting on patience. You're going to read the quote again? I'm going to read the quote again. again. We're not going to do this again publicly like we do every week. The banter is real. It's called fighting. And uh, actually, we got a huge blowout of lunch a couple weeks ago. Do you remember that? In Hubert. In Hubert. Yeah, so Hubert's this 1973 three, orange VW uh, band yeah, that uh, – with the, the the collar plus the mullet plus the van made like the ultimate spectacle driving through Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got were, a huge blowout It was a huge blow. We were, were know, in the middle of traffic to, and people go, were like we're, hearing. We're a part of this uh, priestly community called the Companions of Christ, and uh, if you if you listen to the podcast, you hear about all these guys. But we are all we all have lunch at this place called Chaos Pizza, which is amazing in Denver every Thursday, and uh, the staff all know us. He fights with all of them. Treats him horribly. I pray for him. No more memoraries. And these poor people. It's like they don't understand. He likes to play, but he likes to scratch. And, uh, you know. <laughs> so we get in this huge blowout in this restaurant, right? This is a priest. And then we realize we got to drive home together. We were like ready to literally kill each other. And then it was like, oh crap, we got to get in Hubert together and drive back to Schloss Globels and watch YouTube videos for the next 50 years. So <laughs> But that point was, that's the point of the common life for us. That's the point of friendship, is you got to stay in the, uh, Jeff Kaven says this, he used to say, talk about the octagon, you stay in the octagon together, so you got to fight it out, right? It's like when you're a little kid and you're on the trampoline together and you fight, but you, it's got the walls on the trampoline, and you, he goes over to the far side because he's hurt, but you can't actually leave the trampoline. That's kind of what friendship does. You have to stay on the ring, you got to stay in the ring together. you got to keep fighting it out. And that's what happened at Hubert, and by the time we got back, we, we worked it all out, so Hubert was a place of, reconciliation and communion. But I say that because patience is is essential to the work of being freed from boredom, right? Ratzinger has this to say. This is what uh, Father Nathan quoted several times, and it's worth saying again. The capacity to love, that is the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's control and to let oneself receive this as a gift is suffocated by the speedy fulfillments in which I depend upon. No one, but in which I am never obliged to emerge from my own self and thus find the, self into the the path into my own self. So it begins with patience, to wait in patience for that which is not under your control. Basically, everything in your life can be controlled except for the freedom of another human being. And that's the great mystery of communion. That's the great adventure of marriage and friendship is that everything can be controlled. You can control how much Taco Bell or Ho-Ho's you eat, right? It's possible. Right? Some, call can. It, some can. <laughs> we call it temperance, right? You can control your desires, your passions, but you can't control the freedom of the other person. And when they burn you, when your friends burn you, it's hard to say: Is this possible to live communion? Is it really worth it? What most of us do when we get burned is we shut down some area of the heart, just kind of shut it down, or build some kind of defense mechanism, usually based on our giftedness, right? And just kind of navigate it, kind of organize it, manage it. Control, we want control as broken human beings. And what he's saying here, what is saying is that the key to being freed from this lethal boredom, which poisons and destroys the soul, is the patience of love. The capacity to wait, to not seek to control the other. So many of you in relationships right now, this is the challenge, you feel this, you can't change that about this person, right? Or your friendships, you can't change this, you can't change that. You don't know, there's really not much we can do the other person has freedom. And God gave them that freedom and entrusted them that freedom. And to recognize that and live against that uh, and to feel that tension is challenging. We, we feel it in the, in the companions of Christ. We had a great uh, lunch with uh, Brother Levin in the back and Father Jay in the back there. These guys feel it in the monastery. You're never above this as a human being, no matter what your vocation is, right? In marriage, in consecrated life, it doesn't matter. You have to deal with the freedom of the other, and you have to acknowledge the suffering that comes with patience. And I'll just kind of read one more thing and then end it Oh, you get the lips. Why read it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, but I think I, because as we talk about these things, these this isn't prepackaged or whatever else, like we usually are trying to think about what the other person is saying. Um, I think you can uh, control another person's freedom, but only by imitation. Like, if you, if, if someone proposes to another, like they're actually saying, I know you have a lot of options and there's a lot of other people and you could wait for that other person but I'm right here and I want to spend the rest of my life with you and uh, it is a, in some ways a, a limit on what you could have but I will do everything I can for you. Um, we always quote this line from Balthazar which is love desires to make a vow and in consecrated life or in in monastic vows, or in our ordination, like we set aside a lot of other things. I know what you're thinking. He could have been a male model. I know. <laughs> I had to set that aside. I had to set that aside and actually say, I got to go towards this. And in in um, in that opportunity, you actually invite the other. The church invites the other. In marriage, like kind of as co-members of the church. Um, bride and bridegroom, they invite one another to limit their freedom, but not so that I can just say, well, but I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And you're going to kind of like limit me from doing that. It's actually saying, yes, like I want that. And I'm willing to do that with you. And to receive that as a gift is the suffering. And so many of you are discerning your vocations right now and trying to figure out what is God calling me towards and what will I be in, you know, five years or ten years or whatever? You won't know. You can't map this out. I didn't plan this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't. I didn't say like, all right, uh, by you know, two thousand seventeen, uh, at least uh, October, maybe September, I will be giving a talk at Benedictine College. Okay? I didn't. I didn't know. But I also had no idea about that. It was more like God invited me. To follow him. And in the fullness of my freedom, I said, yeah, I want to give myself to you and you determine the course of my life. And I would not have charted this particular course, but it's been a pretty good ride. And I think the people who are here that are married or have families, they would say the same thing. They didn't know that they would end up in this job or in this town or with this person or with this many kids or have this particular suffering. But I don't know if they would change it. Because God invited them to follow him, which is a limitation on their freedom, but, like, the fullest expression of, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Full expression of something. (laughs) You know?
0: That was the handoff. No, because
1: you said you can't, you can't, you can't negatively inhibit somebody's freedom. Or said something like that. And I was like, that was stupid. Um, But, I mean, in that way, you can't. No, I know what you're saying, yeah. Which is why, I mean, the the Marian reality is God doesn't demand this of her. He invites her. He invites her into this life and says, this is what is possible if you would but say yes, and this is all that's going to happen, and, you know, but it all hinges on the woman's response. It hinges on the feminine response receptivity, which actually gives herself in response to what is the proposal. We were talking about this lady, Sophia, last night, Penny Rue we there. It was uh,
0: beautiful. And that's precisely the receptivity. And I would say even um, what you were talking about, about drawing out the other. So um, I got a friend back home, an old buddy that I'm uh, just struggling right now to love. I just I come home from Rome, and I want things to be the way they were years ago, and they're not. People Change. Life moves on. You guys have probably experienced this. You go to college. Maybe friends are at different schools. Uh, people change. Life changes us. We're constantly kind of in movement. And I'm struggling. I come home in the summers, and I have to process a lot of this with him every evening while he's yep paying attention, to watching his YouTube videos, and I'm just talking about life. You know, no, I'm just joking. You're
1: gonna play he's Dr.
0: Phil <laughs> with your life, okay?
1: <laughs> so you said this to them. Did you really think that was the best? So the, yeah. Anyways. <laughs>
0: Again, why I I drink so much bourbon, because, uh, no, it's about, um, so anyways, life is tough, and friendship is hard. And if you're not feeling the poverty of your love and friendship, then you're probably not paying attention, because we all need to grow in love, and we need Christ, we need the grace uh, to deepen that. But anyways, I got this one particular, I'm hitting these walls, you know, I want the way, I want it my way, I want control, I want friendship to look like this, I want it to fulfill my needs, whatever that might be. And uh, that's a dead end. It's a dead end, and it leads to a boredom in in relationship, right? So I'm just kind of bored You ever felt this, where you're with your old friends, and it's just like, it's not the same, right? It's kind of a little bit of that boredom breaking in. And again, what's missing is the patience and the challenge of what is really love. I think that we romanticize what love looks like. We think it just feels really good. It's just really fun. It's not. It's a lot of work. It's hard. Love is the cross, right? And every married couple can tell you that. What's going to stick you together for the rest of your life with your friendships and your marriages and your priesthood is that kind of love that is is willing to dig deep and to sacrifice your ego in order to make a deeper gift of yourself. And God's grace will provide for that. And I think he desires that. So anyways, I was talking to another friend about this who was a woman who brings a totally different perspective to it. And she said this to me is a good friend. She said, Unrequited love is so painful, but so beautiful, because choosing to love a person who won't or can't love is truly like Christ. I guess that's where freedom is. Unrequited love is so painful, but so beautiful, because choosing to love a person who won't or can't love is truly like Christ. So the way out of boredom, it seems to me, at least in this particular friendship for me, in this particular relationship, is the choice to love like Christ, which is unrequited, unreceived, maybe scorned, unappreciated, and certainly doesn't feel good. But to choose that is to experience and to glimpse the beauty of a crucified God. And what that beauty does is it instills in us a sense of wonder again. Because what's the opposite of boredom? It's wonder. That this actually exists. It leads back to that sense of everything is given. Everything is a gift. Everything is gratuitous, everything is free, right? It leads back to the life of beauty and, and goodness and joy. But wonder, in relationship, is the opposite of the boredom. But the only way that I think love can render us into wonder is by choosing the way of love, which is the cross of Christ. I know this is heavy and it's kind of is difficult to understand, but wonder is not something that we just kind of wake up every day and be like, wow, I'm just so amazed. That the world exists. you know. Uh, we don't. We have to choose it. We choose the cross. We encounter the beauty, the paradoxical beauty of crucified love, and that leads us into wonder. And I honestly think that's the way out of the boredom. I think that's how you come to a new and exciting thing. And again, I wouldn't have understood this if somebody was up talking to me about this when I was in college, uh, but I think that's the way forward, is Jesus will give you the grace. You can move through it. You can break through it. You can experience deeper communion. And then all of a sudden, the wonder opens up and life becomes full of possibilities and excitement and freedom.
1: Yeah, that that life isn't just simply finite. That this is the end. That I won't experience anything more. I mean, the, the sad kind of infinite circle that I'll never break out of. It's actually like there's so many great things that are possible. And for the for the Jew, like they would they would meditate on what God had done. What are the great things that God has done? And if you don't have a whole lot of those things, you're like, my life has been so lame. I always came in third in Mario Kart. It's like, <laughs> well, sorry, you know. Uh, but at least you can meditate on the fact that what has God done to the world? Like, in creation, in redemption, in persons in your life, even in your own self. Like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, that's wonder. Like, to be astounded at who you are and who this other is and who God is. Um, and then also what God will do. And for a lot of these people that are susceptible to this leap of boredom, it's that at some point, this is it. Like, I'm, I, I'm not going to have anything more. And there's nothing else for me. And it's so sad. So we have to point people, like Father John is saying, saying, like, yeah, look to the cross. Look towards the, the that God actually found a solution from our pain, from our brokenness, from our emptiness. And he gave us the resurrection. But it's not just like resurrection all the time. But we have those moments. We have those moments and we should savor them as joy-filled moments of wonder. So I think joy and wonder are really important to um, keep us from the debilitating effects of lethal of wonder. So, I guess final, final thought, Jerry Springer. Um, friendship, it's all in friendship. And how do you have friendship? Well, you need persons. You need human persons, and you need divine persons. The divine persons are always going to be there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're not just people that you invoke when you're about ready to eat your food or go to sleep. They actually want to be in communion with you, and they are in communion with you. Through your baptism, through the church, through the saints, but also other persons. Other persons are avenues to encounter the living God and the infiniteness that is present in each unrepeatable creation. Uh, that is each unique human soul. Amen. Amen. Before lethal
0: boredom sets in, we probably should go to I know. Class. One guy
1: already had to leave. It was just like this. Yeah, is totally like, that she's, <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's leaving now, too. So. Everybody look at her. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's probably like teaching a class. Leave her alone. That was bad. Sorry. All right. Shout-outs. You ready? No. Yeah. I'm going to read my email from Molly Tiny. I <laughs> <laughs> you read your emails
0: out. before. No.
1: Does he ever respond Looks to the like church? you've yeah. moved to central time. Would you like to update your snoozed emails? No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Those stay buried forever. All right. Here's a couple of shout-outs.
0: So, uh, I was at Risen Christ Parish, and I told Deacon Tim, who was helping me last weekend, that I'd give him a shout-out. And then the Queens, John and Gail Queen, were with me, and uh, they gave us a bottle of Larceny bourbon. I don't know if you tried that. It's pretty good stuff. Well, so, you might have, but... Uh, Yes, bud. I did. Your taste buds are kind of shot, I think, at this point. So. True. Yeah. So, anyways, it was good to see them. I'm looking for my. <laughs> we, we actually are writing these things down. What? Okay, I, yeah, I got it. Time, I forgot
1: about it. Um, your... So, uh, Colin uh, with Father Nick LaHa. Uh, some of you know Father Nick. Um, Colin uh, from Victoria State, he's studying at uh, KU Med. Um, asked me to give him uh, give a shout out to his girlfriend Elizabeth.
2: So everybody...
1: Okay, and then the last one uh, to David and Daniel Tacolini. Uh I think she, their daughter, is here right now, so uh, they want a, a shout out. So, well done. Um, I have a shout out to all of Benedicta. Um, so, um, like we we get a lot of gifts, and people are very generous with us. And right now it's like Halloween, which is the perfect time to give out um, Sour Patch Zombie Kids. So in my carry-on, I got 10 pounds of Sour
2: Patch Kids, sucker! Make me rain! Seriously, I've got like 10 pounds of Sour Patch Kids.
1: I didn't think the president would be here, but I was just gonna like start like throwing them out. But like I didn't think you would like that because like somebody's got to clean all that up and it sure is not going to be me. So all of these need to be gone. I will dump all of them here. Whatever fraternity, sorority, or just really uh, creepy gluttonous dude that wants all of these, I will dump all of them here. Thank you all for coming. God bless you. God God bless America. Is the
0: deacon is the deacon still here? Oh yeah, the dance. Deacon, Debbie, please stand up for a second. We res- rescheduled his class tonight so that his class could be here, and we promised a shout out to you and your beautiful wife, so thank you for doing it. Thank that. you.
1: All right, you're done. It's over. To Benedict College, you guys have been the best campus we've ever visited for a live podcast. <laughs> CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and uh, we we'll